This is the Win the White House Vote Abroad podcast, connecting people around the world that can vote in U.S. elections, encouraging them to get involved. I'm David Schellenberg. That's Rachel Oyster. Hello, Rachel. Hi, David. We're the chair and vice chair for Democrats Abroad in Canada's capital region here in Ottawa. It is June 1st, Rachel, and the world seems a little weird at the moment. Yes, it does. Yes, yes. Well, it's been weird all along, but once again, it's become painfully obvious. So we have invited Angela Fobbs, who is the chair of Democrats Abroad's Black Caucus, to come talk to us today. Hello, Angela. Hi. And you're joining us from where? Uh, I'm joining you from uh, Ingelheim, Germany. Oh, lovely. Which, which is uh, somewhere most people probably have never heard of. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say it's near Frankfurt for the sake of the audience. <laughs> now, are, uh, am I getting this right? Aren't there two Frankfurts in Germany? Uh, yes, there are. There's, <laughs> yes, there are. There, there is. I'm just teasing. I happen to no. know that, but <laughs> because when yeah. you say near Frankfurt, everyone assumes it's the big one, which I'm sure. Yes, is I'm. Yes, that's what I meant too. Frankfurt am Main, and which is the which is the big finance city, and Frankfurt am right. Oder is um a little town that's on the border of uh, I think Poland or Czech or something. It's near. <laughs> it's on the way to Berlin, kind of. Right. Oh wow. wow. We're learning so much. Um, so, Angela, you're the chair of the Global Black Caucus. I think let's let's start at the beginning. What what is the Global Black Caucus? Uh, the Global Black Caucus is a caucus within Democrats Abroad that's it's actually made up of all ethnicities who are willing and able to advocate on the issues that are important to African Americans within the United States and also those of us living abroad. Right. And what do you do? <laughs> to yeah, to do ask do? A, a complicated wow. question in the most simple way. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, let's see. The The Global Black Caucus was actually started in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to that, there had there wasn't one. Um, can I just sort of elaborate a little bit? Absolutely. Because, Absolutely yeah. Okay. Tell us everything. All right, I, okay. Well, I will. Um, <laughs> I, I joined Democrats Abroad in 2016. Yep. Um. I saw an ad on Facebook and I thought, hmm, this is interesting. I've never heard of it before. And I, you know, clicked the link and I thought, okay, I'll join. It's free. Why not? Mm -hmm. um, it was right before the election. Um, I had missed the global presidential primary, which sounded interesting, you know, but I, um, but I thought, okay, I'll join. We'll see what happens. Um, the election happened. Uh, I always vote. Um, I always have, um, even overseas when I lived overseas and I've been living outside of America for 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't really, you know, I voted and election day came and I had a hard time sleeping the night oh boy, yeah. of the election. <laughs> I, I yeah. mean, you know, I didn't have any, I wasn't, you know, you guys had all these parties and everything, but I didn't really know any about, about any of that. Right. Um, I went to bed and I woke up a couple hours later, looked at my phone and I'm like, okay, this is not, I don't know. This is so, so then I woke up a few hours later and I was like, Hmm, 
this isn't looking good. Yeah. What part of the uh, world were you living in? Uh, Germany. In Germany. I was living in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. At that time also. And, um, I looked at my phone again at like six in the morning and my husband wasn't quite up ready to, for work yet. And I just decided, okay, this is it. I'm just staying up. This is depressing. Right. So my husband got up and he's like, did we win? And I'm <sighs> like, no, <laughs> we did not. We, and we did not win. Um, yeah. So after that, I was like, wow, this is terrible. Um, and I, I think around, I don't know, it must have been in December or the end of November. Let me go backwards. I have to go back from there. My sure. husband and I, uh, my husband and I weren't married at the time. We were, we had been together for about eight years before we got married. And we decided that, okay, we have to just hurry up and get married. And so we went to Las Vegas and got married um, <laughs> because we just didn't want anything weird to happen, you know, because of Trump. Right. Um, and so, you know, one of the things like in Tim Snyder's book, it was like, make sure or you're all your like um, legal things are, are good. So I was like, mm -hmm. okay, we have to hurry up and get married. My husband is also American. Mm -hmm. um, and um, then we got back and they started talking about the woman's March. I just decided to look on the DA website and I found that there was a woman's march near me. Right. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So I was like, awesome. Um, I RSVP'd. And so I didn't know anybody in Democrats Abroad. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know not one person. Right. Like I said, you all I did. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All I did was click the join button, you know, and every now and then I get a little bit of information or something mm -hmm. so yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> i got on the train went to frankfurt uh, you know was ready to march met all these people and um that was an interesting experience i'd never been on a on a demonstration or anything before oh wow oh, really yeah i never i mean wow. my my life i didn't have a demo life before Understood. Democrats abroad. Yeah. Wow. Like I, I worked when I lived in the States, I worked in banking and finance and not that I like, like it or like I'm one of those people, but those are just the people that I worked with. <laughs> yeah. One know? of those people. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? You I know do. what I mean? <laughs> I am not one of those people. And, um, and then when I, when I was over here, I worked for the government so we're not really supposed to do stuff like that. No. Right. So, so I had never, okay, I don't work for the government anymore. So I'd never done anything like this. And um, I went there, met them. Great. Marched. Um, it was fun, yeah. you know? And so um, I, I have a local chapter, the Mainz Wiesbaden chapter of uh, Democrats Broad Germany is the one that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a couple of, we had a postcard writing event and some other things. And, you know, I was like, really like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. We've got to get rid of Trump. Right. You know, and all these terrible ideas that Republicans have. Mm -hmm. uh, so then sometime, I think it was in February or something like that. It was after the march and after a few other events, I got received an email in my inbox basket that said, um, 
Democrats abroad, Germany is having elections, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> would you like to run for something? Uh-huh. And, and I thought, hmm, yeah, I would like to run for something. Not, not because, you know, not because I w- want to be like in charge of something, but because I wanted, I ran for communications coordinator right. because, because I thought I've been living in Germany for 20 years. I'm really into politics. I'm a, I always donate to all sorts of, you know, uh, things during the Bush administration. I donated to everything that was against whatever the Bush administration was for. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it's not like I'm not like politically involved in any way, you know? And that's when you were on staff with the government. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, it's way different now, but, uh, George Bush wasn't nearly as bad as Donald Trump. No. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Which is George Bush was horrible. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so I decided that since I didn't know about this organization until 2016, that we really needed to like step up our profile and are, we're obviously not communicating in enough spaces. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I ran for the communications coordinator for Germany. And um, we had an AGM. It was like at the end of March um, and I won. Right. So I became the communications coordinator for Germany. And in the meantime, I was like finding out all sorts of things about Democrats abroad. You know, it's a very large organization with a lot of different areas. Yes, Yes, it sure is. Yeah. And it's a lot to learn. But, you know, so I'm just going through all the different things, looking on the website, going on the wiki, you know, talking to people. And um, I noticed that we had caucuses, but we didn't have a black caucus. And I Uh, thought, "Hmm, that's kind of weird because that's like one of the main ones in Congress, you know. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And um, so I was talking to um, Sherry Temple. She is uh, on the the Women's Caucus Steering Committee. Yeah. And um, she's also... uh, the, I, the head of IT for Democrats Abroad. And uh, she I was working on a little project with her. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a woman's caucus calendar that they put out. Ah. Um, and so I was just looking up important dates. Like I thought, okay, yeah, I can do that. That's no big deal. You know, yeah. I can Google, I can Google with the best of them. You yeah. know? <laughs> so, I mean, if it's, if it's helpful, you know, so um, I was talking to her and I asked her, I said, um, how come there's no black caucus? And she's like, because no one started it. Yes. And and I said, oh, okay, well, how do I start one? And she said, well, um, you should, you'll have to do a lot of paperwork, blah, 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 get people interested, get a steering, you know, a, a formation committee and all these things, but I'll help you. Right. So I said, great, thanks. So she really did help me a lot. Um, she put together a survey that she sent out to potential members of the steering committee. 
and it asked them what issues they thought were important. And I got the survey results and I went through and I found that there was like a certain core of issues that people had listed because um, it wasn't, it was like a free form text field for the, for the issues that are important to you. So I I just went through and went through all the responses, found out what people were really interested in, and then uh, found a core of people that would act as the steering committee or the formation committee rather. And um, we basically went through the issues and we have to, we had to write a terms of reference document Mm -hmm. that basically says what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what our issues are. um, And a lot of other like administrative things too. Yes. So um, we did that uh, from, let's say like the end of August until the end of September. And we worked really, really hard to get everything done. And uh, by October, we were officially chartered as the Global Black Caucus. Amazing. Now it's- um, Go ahead, David. So so just, just reading the webpage for the Global Black Caucus. So advocating for laws, policies, and programs to improve the lives of Black Americans and educate all people on the humanity of Black people. And- it's an interesting uh, line because as us, as Americans living outside of the United States, do you see us having a different role in influencing things back in the United States than people who are, are living there? Um, somewhat, somewhat. You know, living outside of the United States, no matter what your uh, race you have a completely different uh, perception of the world mm-hmm. than when you're at home. People at home don't necessarily, I'm not saying everybody, but you know, there's a lot of people, I would say it's a, a large majority of people that don't understand how the rest of the world is so much different Right. And not in this sort of negative, you know, uh, everything's a third world country or it's all different and weird. But I mean, as far as policies for health insurance, um, education, um, all sorts of environmental policies and other things that that other there are a lot of countries that have a lot different types of laws that are better than mm-hmm. the ones that we have in the United States. Oh, okay. They could make real improvements at home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So a role in, in suggesting policies to the United States that maybe the United States just hasn't heard of yet. Hasn't heard of yet or hasn't really contemplated in any kind of deep way or examined as to how it would improve the lives of our fellow citizens. Right. Uh, so it's a... It's a very young caucus. Do you feel that you've gotten traction with that yet? Um, in certain ways, yes and no. Um, we have, we've in the past, since the GPP, um, we've doubled our membership. Wow. So I'm really happy about that. But I still think that a lot of people... There are a lot of people that think that if you're not uh, black or biracial or something like that, that you can't join. But Mm -hmm. 
everyone can join, um, mainly because the purpose of the caucus, in my mind, is that we come together to make the world a better place for us all because racism is harmful to everyone. It is more obviously harmful to African-Americans or Latinos or Asians or Native Americans, but it's also harmful to white people. Uh, I just don't think a lot of white people think of it that way. Um, Right. But it is. Right. And the only way that we're going to solve, not solve racism, but end it is for all of us to work together. Mm -hmm. And we can't work together if, if part of we doesn't want to participate or doesn't think that they can for some reason. So the Global Black Caucus is open to anyone who believes in, believes in and wants to have unconditional human rights for everyone. I have to say on a personal note that I really appreciated your saying something very much along those lines at the global meeting in Washington, D.C. last year, because when you said it aloud, I went, well, of course, and I joined. And I might have felt hesitant to do so had you not explicitly said, we all have to do this together. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you joined. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank um, you. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, we all really have to work together um, because, because things can't stay as they have been in the past. Right. No. Yeah. And, and, This is not really along the same lines, but another thing that struck me today, and now you've really put it in perspective. I'm stunned to know there was no Black Caucus until you made it happen in 2017. Yes, I was still thinking that. But I know, but the timing, the timing sheds more light on what struck me in your mission statement. Your very first um, aim in the mission statement is to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm. And you even... Fl- right. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? I mean, that's... that's It's fantastic, but it's also astonishing. Um, okay. I have two reasons for that. And the, the first reason is... is because... During this time, we were right after the election and we had found out about all the Russian interference Mm -hmm. in our election. And it is real. Please, people, do not think that it's not real because there's a lot of people that that don't think it's real. It's very real. It's absolutely Um, substantiated. Yep. Yeah. And, um, And we can't allow the our external... Uh, foes or our internal foes, which we have a lot of them currently inside of our own government Mm -hmm. um, who are trying to subvert the constitution and change our laws so that we can have some sort of um, oligarchy um, or kleptocracy or whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, I personally prefer cacistocracy. Which, what? <laughs> Absolutely. I've never heard that word before. Uh, it is a government made up of the worst people with the least talent or skills. Oh my. Okay. Yep. Um, and they can't, 
really that they are really trying to subvert our constitution and take away the rights that we have all grown to cherish throughout our lives. Um, The second reason is, okay, I used to work for the government and I swore an oath to protect the constitution and nobody actually like de-oathed me after Ah. I quit working. (laughs) So you're stuck with it. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately for those people who are trying to subvert the constitution, I still believe that. Yes. I think that's fantastic. I really do. I think that's an awesome way to start the mission statement. That's fascinating. Um, but there's also the the fact that the rights enshrined in the Constitution have never been fully instituted for people of color. Uh-huh. I would well, think. yes. Yeah. You know, yes and no. I mean, like technically they are, but. That's what I mean. In actuality. Yeah. Yeah. In actuality for uh, many african-americans or any other people of color no they haven't been yeah so i that's another reason i think it's a great way to start your mission statement so thank you i'm i'm delighted that you created this this corner of democrats abroad and um yeah i'm I'm curious about your global view of racism is it different within the United States? And it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated question because the world is a big complicated place. But when racism is not exclusive to the United States. No, it's not. Um, you know, my global view of racism is that it's, in some ways it's not as bad, but you know, the United States exports a lot of things and mm. We, we export our media, which a lot of it has racist viewpoints. Um, with the internet, we have um, all these white supremacy groups that are all around the world. They can now network and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, share ideas. Um, yeah. So if we, I'm not going to say, 100% that if we solved or tamped down the racism in the United States, that it would tamp down the rest of the world. But I think it would. Right. I mean, you know, we've, it's always, I've keep asking the question that no one can, I can never find a good answer for, but why are hate groups like the KKK still allowed to exist? Yeah. I would like to know that too. I mean, I've heard people say it's free speech, but, you know, like why there's a lot of groups that could have free speech, but we don't let them. Right. Right. Because hate speech is something we we do take seriously. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things you you say on the Global Black Caucus page as well is uh, talking about how black voter turnout is dropping. Yes. And how how do we turn that around? Um, The way that we turn that around is by uh, proposing policies uh, that will actually make substantive changes in the lives of African-Americans. You know, you're not supposed to say this, but, well, that that a lot of the policies that people propose you know, propose are mainly, 
they're not reaching the majority of Americans. And we have about 50% of Americans that make under $50,000 a year, which is not much money no, it in, isn't. in 2020. Yeah. So all these sort of things, you know, give you a tax rebate or a credit or whatever for this and that. If you're not at a certain income, you're not even, you know, like getting your, uh, what is this, uh, this house credit that you get for your, if you buy a house, a mortgage credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a mortgage, this doesn't help you. Right. Right. You know? So we have to do more things that actually help people that, you know, make people's lives simpler, that put, um, more money in people's pockets that, uh, keeps them from having to pay uh, ridiculous fines and fees or lowers their credit card bills or protects them from scams. Um, things that, that are actual tangible things like maybe sending their children to college for free mm-hmm. or improving actual, um, you know, schools, K through 12 education. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of having... Um, making it so hard for people to get any kind of assistance, solving the homeless problem maybe by right. giving people homes. And, um, but we've made all our social safety net either unsatisfactory, like there's a thousand holes in it, or it's so hard to get on it. Um, people have been complaining now in these times with, with people, all these people in the past few months applying for unemployment, how hard it is to apply for it. It's on purpose. Yes. Like, right. yeah. So as long as we don't actually do things that actually help people there, it, it'll be hard to, um, it'll be hard to get them to vote. Right. What are they voting for? Because nothing for their lives changes. Right. Right. And, yeah. and I, I certainly understand that frustration. And, and I can see how some people um, even get frustrated with political parties that, you know, will voting for a different political party or will voting at all actually make a difference? Yes. I mean, it will. It will make a difference. But in order for it to make a, a sort of a, a concrete and deep difference for people that are suffering and struggling in the United States. And there are millions of people who are Mm -hmm. suffering and struggling. We have to make some systemic changes so that it's fairer for everyone. Right. What solutions does the global black caucus have to, to offer Democrats abroad? Ooh, that is a surprising question that I am not sure I have the answer to, but I will endeavor to try sure. to mm-hmm. tell you. Um, the Global Black Caucus, well, let me just start out with having the answer and getting the answer done are two different things. <laughs> very, very a true. A lot of people have the answer. Yes. This is, you know, a lot of people have the answer, but I would say that um, the Global Black Caucus supports progressive legislation um, and it also as a solution it's not it's not a total solution it's a vehicle 
it's a vehicle to help us get our members to find out what they want and to convey that information to the rest of the Democratic Party. Right. Mm-hmm. So that they can also get those ideas too. Yes. To so it's a matter pressure. right. So it's a matter of mobilizing our members as well. That's right. Yeah. That's so, right. It's yeah. I'm just thinking. So somebody listening to this podcast who maybe like you just found DA like you four years ago, mm-hmm. just found DA and just signed up. What and and they're like, oh, there's a podcast. Let me listen to this one. What can we what can we ask them to do? Um, okay. The first thing to do is, of course, request your ballot for the November election at votefromabroad.org or wherever you want to request it. But please get your ballot and vote. It's the most important thing that you're going to do this year, probably. Um, The second thing would be to pay attention to the news, And what's going on. And a lot of times it's hard because there's a lot of static out there. Mm -hmm. But there are some trusted news sources and uh, it's not Fox News. So (laughs) don't or Breitbart or anything like that. (laughs) So Um, don't even try. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But but really, if you if you pay attention to what's going on and I would suggest that people listen to Democracy Now to watch it or listen to it. it's it'll tell you things that you don't that you never even could have dreamed of um pay attention to what's going on write your your congressman or woman or your senator um write your uh, write your state representatives or your governor when you see things that are going on because as long as you don't say anything they're just going to keep doing whatever it is they want to do Right. Yeah. And we have to push back if we really want change. Yeah, absolutely. And so much of what I'm hearing you say, I think, is that there is no solution. There's no magic pill. There's no one law that can be passed that fixes all of this. It's it's dialogue. Well, some laws could help. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, it's not one law. It's a lot of laws. And, um, but we always have to, you know, it's hard to always stay informed. I mean, things, sometimes things happen and you just, you know, if you're not always paying attention, you don't know it's happening. Right. And this might be an issue that really, you know, touches your life. Um, but yeah, we have to, Make sure we have the right people in place who are open to progressive ideas and um, the ability, we have the ability to pass these things into law mm-hmm. so that they can turn, they can change people's lives. It really can change people's lives. I mean, you know, when Ronald Reagan was elected, um, I was in high school right. and he changed my life. Really badly. Oh, no. <laughs> I was in high school when he was elected too. Yeah. And he changed my life. So oh. he made he made Pell Grants uh, unavailable for people who who made over thirty thousand dollars a year. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that changed my life drastically. 
<laughs> I, I had to work three jobs when I was in college. So, wow. you know, <laughs> so <laughs> laws can, I, I could had, but I had nothing. There's nothing I could have done about it. I wasn't old enough to vote and my family definitely didn't vote for Ronald Reagan. So, right. right. Nor did mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So laws change your lives and it doesn't always have to be bad. Um, it's just that for quite some time, all the changes have been bad because we've had a series of terrible Republican presidents who have really worked very hard to destroy our social safety net, uh, take away, send all our jobs overseas and um, really try to bring back uh, white supremacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. We're speechless. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we are kind of, kind of, I mean, yeah. because it is such a, it's, 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 it's an intractable problem and that doesn't mean it cannot be addressed and it cannot be, I hate to say fixed, but yeah, mitigated, yeah. pushed yeah, toward it, being it, fixed. It can be. It, it could easily be fixed. We've just mm -hmm. never tried. Yeah. We've actually never tried because there's always this line that people have that you can't change people's hearts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, well, okay, I don't really want to change their hearts. I want to change their behavior. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not a romance. We don't <laughs> have to fall in love. Right. Yeah. Do we just have to all live in the world together. Right. Do you think that Obama didn't try hard enough? Um, I think he tried too hard. That's interesting. Oh, I, yeah, I, I know. It's not what, not what I, I like Obama just like everybody else does, yes. you know, like I don't want, I don't ever want anyone to think that I like Obama just fine, but he wasted a lot of time trying to get along with Republicans. Uh, right. Yeah. Because I was going to say he was hampered in a lot of what he wanted to do, nope. but, yeah. but, but he, sh but really it, it's, it's one of those things that it's something that's always kind of amazing to me. And it's not just Obama. It's many people in the democratic party mm -hmm. is that they want to work in a bipartisan way with, with Republicans and they want to have a collaborative atmosphere, which I understand completely. I love collaboration, but, if I'm trying to collaborate with you and you're trying to stab me in the back, yeah, I'm not sure that there's an opportunity for collaboration with people who are actively trying to sabotage you. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Because we did have eight years of Obama. We had eight years of Clinton. Um, and what, yes. what, what was accomplished in those times? <sighs> well, if you think, I mean, I have to say, for me, the Clinton era was really great. Like I had a high paying job and there was plenty of jobs. I worked in the IT field, right. plenty of jobs. And I don't know, it was a great time in a certain way. But on the other hand, some of the things that, that were accomplished were kind of negative for mm -hmm. America, mm -hmm. right. you know, like NAFTA and, um, also the deregulation of the banks. Right. Yeah. And um, so in this way, compromising with people is not necessarily positive. You know, you should compromise. You should compromise on 
many things, but not what your core principles are. Never compromise on your core principles. I think that's a good rule. Yeah. And um, some of the stuff that happened in the Cl- towards the end of the Clinton administration um, definitely had detrimental effects on people in the United States. And so I can see why a lot of people didn't want to vote um, for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really thought about it like that back then, but of course, in hindsight, um, I mean, it's very clear to see, um, but, but it's just because one person made a mistake doesn't mean we have to continue making the same type of mistakes or same compromises. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that the main mistake that Obama made was that he waited too long before he realized that compromise wasn't possible. So it would seem the only solution for the moment is an enormous blue wave that sweeps everyone. (laughs) That's right. To sweep out out the old. Sweep out the old. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, because we're going to have to rebuild. And, um, you know, we, we can't necessarily the opposition of Republicans is mostly um, based on the fact that they don't want to help anyone except the rich people who, who don't need any money. I I always thought that when you were rich, you had enough money. So you didn't have to like nickel and dime everything. Seems like it it should work that way, but (laughs) no, 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 it doesn't work that way at all. That way. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it doesn't work that way at all. And um, during this last or this pandemic, when they were putting out stimulus and they were so eager to fund all these businesses, I really felt like they shouldn't do it. Um, You know, if I made, let's just say I had a job and I made $500,000 a year, which to me is a lot for one person mm-hmm. to make. I mean, mm-hmm. I know people make more, but for me, that would be a lot of money yeah, to me make too. in a year. <laughs> um, and they're always telling us normal people that we should have like a reserve of six months to a year that we can live on. But if you're a billion dollar, multi, a multi-billion dollar corporation and you like miss one day of people working, you're on the verge of bankruptcy. What? Mm. How is this possible? Mm -hmm. Seriously. Mm -hmm. And so this was absolutely ludicrous that you have all these, these expensive, high dollar, high value corporations that actually don't have any cash on hand. Yeah. Something is terribly wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And then some of these corporations have have billions of dollars of cash on hand, and you'd sort of like them to spend that once in a while without without, uh, the world going crazy. Well, without the world going crazy and having them to dip into their bank accounts. Mm. Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, and so we gave Americans (laughs) $1,200, which is not even enough in many places to pay your rent. Exactly, for one month. Yeah. Um, so Angela, thank you. This is 
this has been an incredible exploration um, with you of, of covering a wide range of, of things. Um, so I just want to bring it back to the present moment a little bit. Um, okay. We're just a few days after the murder of George Floyd. I'm sorry, I'm tearing up. <laughs> um, and tomorrow, Democrats Abroad will be holding a vigil online. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you've planned for that and how people, because of course the podcast will be coming out then or, or later, how people can view it. Okay. Um, yes, tomorrow we're having a Black Lives Matter vigil um, on Zoom. And it's turned out, it started from a small idea to now we're at like a mega level where we have more than 2,000 people who want to attend Amazing. and about 100 people who want to speak. Wow. Um, yeah, including um, some politicians from the states um, there and also uh we are having a well-known minister from the American Church of Paris and then another one from an American church, the American church in London, and um, actually one from stateside too. Um, yeah, we've got Michael Blake. Um, he's the DNC vice chair and a New York State Assembly member. We have uh, Akila Inslee. She is the former DNC Youth Caucus chair. Uh, Virgie Rollins is the DNC Black Caucus chair. She's going to be speaking. And uh, also Nina Turner wow. um, is going to be speaking. Wow. And how can, um, people, how can people view it after the fact? Um, if you go to Democrats Abroad Facebook page and look under videos, it'll be listed there. We're going to be live streaming also. So it'll it'll reside there for uh, until Facebook doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. The history yeah, of Facebook. That is. That is. Um, it's thank you guys so much for inviting me. This has been a very interesting conversation. And um, I hope that um, members and even people that are considering joining will join the Global Black Caucus and help us make the world a better place and ensure that we all, no matter what our race, age, sex, creed, it doesn't matter that we all experience the unconditional human rights that we are entitled to because we're humans. Hair, hair. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. And thanks for joining us. It's now nearly one in the morning where you are in Germany. Yes. So <laughs> this has yeah. been a very generous gift of time. Thank you. No problem. Um, I, I should probably get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that is Angela Fobbs joining us from Germany, the chair of the Global Black Caucus. I'm David Schellenberg with Rachel Oyster here in Ottawa, Canada. This is the Win the White House Vote Abroad podcast.